0: special presentation of the soul of enterprise business in the knowledge economy coming to you live from the ipbc ignite conference
1: and without any further ado take it away ron
0: and ed when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network
2: Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, business and a knowledge economy, sponsored by SAGE, energizing the success of businesses and communities around the world through the imagination of our people and smart technology. I'm Ed Kless with my friend and co-host Ron Baker. And on today's show, Ron, we are free riding live from IPBC.
1: In Canada. In Canada, yeah. Let's hear it for Canada. Canada. Woo! Yeah.
2: Very enthusiastic group of Canadians here. Right on. Uh, and this is just one of the, the most fun conferences that I, a, a part of my schedule every year. But I think I've been coming here five years. And I just I love the, the bookkeepers because, as we you know, you and I have talked about this. We think they, they get, we shouldn't say this too loud because a lot of our audience is accountants, you know. So just between you and me, the bookkeepers get it more yep. than the accountants. Far more innovative than the yep. accountants, they no do. doubt about it. They do. yep. it w- mostly because they understand that it's about the relationship, right? It's not just about the the getting the getting it technically correct. Yep. Right. It's about the hand-holding that they need to do. So it's not just you know financial statements correct and tax returns correct and all of those things that's important. But you know sometimes people just need to be hand held a little mm-hmm. bit more. And look, you know we talked about this with Daniel Susskin We think that relationship workers is, I, are going to be the, the way that accountants are going to have to evolve. So they're going to almost have to evolve to eclipse the bookkeepers, which you guys, they're
1: way far ahead. Yeah. So. Couldn't agree more. I mean, uh, this is the fifth conference I've come to. They, it gets bigger every year. I've been to every one of them since uh, their first one. And the Black Swan program, we kicked off Black Swan 5 program today with a new group so we've put about uh, 30 people through that program some of which are uh, in the audience today and it's just been phenomenal and i think you're right the uh, bookkeepers get it they're at the coal face more they have a better relationship Mm -hmm. with their customers uh, and i think they nurture that relationship more Plus, I have to say, objectively, speaking as a recovering accountant, I think they're more innovative (laughs) Yeah. um, because I think they have a more diverse background, and they come from different places, so they don't have that same orthodoxy that we accountants were taught. It's very rigid. You know, we all go through the same education, the same on-the-job training, but the bookkeepers come from all different backgrounds and and experiences, and I think that gives them the edge when it comes to innovation and creativity. Awesome. Awesome. Well, just quickly, since you mentioned it, just quickly describe that Black Swan program, because th-
2: that in itself is an innovation, I think. so.
1: It's been really fun. I mean, the first year, uh, Louis Prosperi, the president of the uh, IPBC, and then Gordon Hawley, the uh, individual who initially brought me in. Uh, I spoke a pre-conference day, kind of like what you did today, And I think it was two days, if I remember right. I can't remember the first conference. I think it was two days I did. And then we were sitting in the bar afterwards, and Gordon looked at me and said, So, Baker, you come to these conferences, and you show up, and you throw up, and you get everybody (laughs) all jazzed up. And how many of them implement? and I said I have no idea you know I'm happy if 10 or 15 percent do right we don't have to get yeah. 100 percent right and he said yeah but how do you know I said well listen if you want to know let's do a program let's we were talking about the weight program the weight challenge or whatever I said let's do a black swan challenge program and let's get black swans and I'll coach them for a year back then it was a year now it's six months and that's what we started doing and it just kind of grew from there organically so it's been a phenomenal program i really proud to be part of it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you ready to free ride, Ron? You bet. All right. What do you got for me? Well, just to explain
2: to our audience who doesn't necessarily always listen to the show, Free Rider Friday is once at the end of every month. You and I don't do a topical-based show. We do show stuff that's based on perhaps stuff that's in the news or just is interesting to us. And we don't pre- let the other person know what's gonna happen. So, right. you, so it's, it's, it's occasionally we might know, but and sometimes we both have the same thing in our stack of stuff, <laughs> but it's very, very possible. Well, I'm gonna open up with this one. This is, and I'm, I'm sure many of you heard about this, that Wells Fargo opened up a couple of million fake accounts. And one of the things that I think is, is relevant about this is this is a great example of what we talked about two weeks ago in our show on measuring what matters and that is that you will get what you measure Right, right, you will get what you measure this is the well, Wells Fargo designed this compensation system around the number of accounts that were opened, and th- th- this this was not a conspiracy because there's no way you could invite ready for this Ron? five thousand three hundred workers at Wells Fargo opened up fake accounts yeah wow five this is i mean it was a conspiracy it was a worst kept conspiracy in the history of business right this was just because this is what they put in place from a measurement system and that people had incentives to do this and they figured out ways around the systems and this is what they got so you know that that old adage of what you can measure you can manage you should also say you that things that get measured will get gamed (coughs) and that's like the corollary to it so yes you'll measure it but people are going to game the system not surprisingly so be very careful what it is that you
1: decide to measure yeah, and and didn't they get just chastised before the CEO of Wells Fargo, before the Congressional Committee, didn't Elizabeth Warden, Warren, Warren take them mm-hmm. to task? Yep, took them to task on
2: this, because this was part of the Consumer Financial Protection Board that that, that uncovered all of this stuff, and they fined them you know, $185 million or whatever the heck it was. Wow. But, yep, yep, big stuff, big stuff. So, you know, but again, th- 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 this wasn't, I think, th- this just, I think, created the incentive, created the opportunity for otherwise moral people to do an immoral, mm-hmm. unethical thing, right? And that's what we we, t- we talked about last week. We talked about the, or two weeks ago, the timesheet, too, as well. You know, the the timesheet creates an environment where otherwise moral, ethical people do unethical things. And in that case, it's, you know, falsify your timesheet up or down, right? right? Up or right. down, by the way, so... Just a, another example of that.
1: What did Aristotle say? It's hard to be a good citizen in a bad country. Yeah. Or a bad, you know, <laughs> Right, uh, right. Uh, it reminds me, and I know we might have talked about this before, but the National Health Service um, instituted a measure. They were finding that in the ER, it took people way too long to, to be seen by a doctor. So the NHS and their infinite wisdom passed a law that said uh, a person has to be seen within, I think, a half hour or an hour of being admitted into the ER. Okay, yep. And so... What do the doctors do? They tell the ambulance drivers, keep them in the ambulance because the clock doesn't start until they pass through the doors. So they have all these really sick people sitting in ambulances. So you put a system out there to measure, and we humans, we're scamps. We're going to game it. So Mm -hmm. that's a constant problem. Yep. So anyway. All right, what do you got? (laughs) All right. Well, you know about this one. It's probably in your stack. But uh, (laughs) Apple Corporation, uh, the European Commission, who we love, (laughs) the EU, with their 1,478-page constitution and growing, um, they said that Ireland is providing, you've got to love this, Ed, providing illegal state aid to Apple. Mm. And they rejected Ireland's tax deal with Apple that was uh, commenced in 1991 and they slapped a 14.5 billion in back taxes to Ireland to collect from Apple. Now, Tim Cook, the Apple CEO said, well, Ireland can have taxes or they can have jobs, but they can't have both. And I'm no expert in Ireland tax law, but what I know about this is, according to an Ireland uh, representative, uh, uh, in fact, he's the uh, Irish government's enterprise minister, a guy named Richard Burton, He defended his country's relationship with Apple. He Mm -hmm. said there are no special deals here. This wasn't a one-off deal. This was a legislative enactment uh, that gave Apple a right to tax some of its first tranches of earnings at lower rates. It was always statutorily done. It was not done outside of the law. Mm-hmm. Now, it's very similar when Congress passes a law here and we put in, you know, there's been the, the Disney Clause or the <laughs> Wine Clause, where they right. make very, very special provisions that are so obvious that only one family in the whole country <laughs> qualifies <laughs> that for true. it. And, and so nobody uses their name in the statute, but they everybody knows who, is it, who, who, who it is. Um, and I just look at this and I, I say the, to the European Commission, really, you're gonna try and get Ireland to collect from Apple fourteen and a half billion. No wonder Britain left. Oh. And I can't wait for I can't <laughs> wait for France and some of these other EU countries to see that these guys, they just wanna put their hands into everything.
2: Mhm. Yep, or, or some of the, you know, Caledonia leaving Spain and all of this stuff just for, for, for some of these reasons, too, because they can create special tax havens based on that as well.
1: Yep, okay. so um. Madridans, quiddly, <laughs> here we come. I'm all for quiddly. it. Uh, <laughs> quiddly. R- let me just add one more thing, and this is from the EU, so this is okay. and, and this is about winemakers. So this touches uh, close to home. Um, winemakers are uncertain about Brexit. Uh, they're vulnerable to a lot of regulation. Get this. I did not know this. American winemakers must relabel their bottles for export because they list alcohol content to one decimal point more than the EU deems permissible. More? M- one decimal point more. So I guess if you say alcohol content 14.98, that's one more decimal point. So the EU, before you can export a bottle of California wine or whatever, they make them redo the label. It costs some of these small family wineries a fortune to do, but that's what the EU demands. How about a guy with whiteout? Maybe that's just the but answer. yeah yeah <laughs> hire yeah it's hire like, hire yeah. somebody to come in and just white
2: out the bottle. You know.
1: Let's Maybe see. we can get Trump to do it. No. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. All right.
2: All oh. right. Oh. All right. All right. <coughs> anyway, uh, well, I, I did have the Apple stuff in here, and I just wanted to, to make a, an additional uh, comment on that. I mean, it, it, I, I think the thi- thing that pe- people miss about corporate tax, because we you know have, obviously, in the United States, we have one of the highest tax rates, uh, corporate tax rate. There's dispute over whether, like, United Arab, Arab Emirates is technically higher, but that tax rate is actually only on oil and gas products. Right. So when you factor other things in, right, I I think what people don't get is that corporate taxes, the burden is not and we've talked about this before the burden of corporate taxes is not paid by the corporations mm-hmm. you know you hear the the our Bernie Sanders people like, well we'll get those corporations to pay more pay more and even um, you know the the uh, Hillary Clinton in the debates the other day was talking about you know we'll we'll just get get more from the corporations pay their quote unquote in you know scare quotes fair, fair share sure. but I- the the economics behind this is is crystal clear it's it's beyond dispute Corporate taxes are the burden is actually paid in two different ways by the p- increased prices because corporations guess what they manage the expense line of a tax like they manage any expense yeah. line right and then so that they factor that in and then the second thing that they they, they do is then they, they it's, it comes out of the wor- wages of workers right right so it's yep. it's through lower lower wages so you know th- the corporations don't bear the burden of the tax they pay the tax they're the one that write the check but they don't they don't actually bear the burden so the best corporate tax rate bar none for everyone is zero absolutely zero so that 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 way we we can see significantly lower prices and people say well if you did that the, the the companies would have no incentive to lower their prices well yes they would it's called competition yeah. right and it's like because somebody else would lower their price, and then the next thing you know we would have lower prices and and more incentive and it would be you know if, if this th- a way for more people to have more control over their own money. But governments, they're not, not, not really interested no, in that. can't
1: have that. that. Yep, can't yeah, can't have that. And, no. and you, well the, you know, the third place it could come out of, too, besides increasing consumer prices or coming out of workers' wages, is it can come out of the shareholder, you know, cap gain returns and things. But but according to the economists who have studied this, yeah. and, and one is a guy, Kevin Hassett from the American Enterprise Institute, and he claims something like 98% of the burden of corporate tax falls on workers, not consumer prices, but workers. And so if you cut the corporate gains or cor- corporate tax rate, you would have more worker salaries. And that's what would be a big boon to the middle class. Trump semi-made that point in the debate. His advisors, there's two advisors he's got uh, on his tax plan, is Stephen Moore from uh, Heritage, who's a great economist, great supply side economist, and Larry Kudlow, who worked in the Ra- Reagan administration. And they are trying to uh, you know coach Trump to stay on this method or uh, this message that if you cut corporate taxes you'll increase wages for the middle oh. class, which I think is a great message, but it gets lost in, in, Trump's in, in, in Trump in Trump. In, 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 tr- y- Trump. In, yeah, yeah. in the Trump Trumpeters or whatever. Yeah. Okay, yeah. well we're on already said to some you know yeah. beauty queen or something. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well we're up against our first break, Ron, but we want to remind you that you can get a hold of us at ask T S O E at Virusage.com. That's an email address that gets sent an email both to myself or Ron. You can also get to our website Page the Soul of where we put up show notes from previous shows as well as previews of upcoming shows. Uh, we can, we're also working on an online community, Ron, that we hope to release in the next couple of weeks, so we're really excited about that. But right now, we want to hear from our sponsor, leading results. <laughs>
3: You've experienced it. Marketing and selling has changed dramatically in the last few years. The search engine has completely altered the way customers buy. Your clients are now driving the process their way. At Leading Results, we know how to work with this. We don't just jump in and start doing Together, we plan your marketing strategy. Install a website that gets results and create lead generation programs that drive sales. Visit leadingresults.com slash TSOE to find out more and to schedule a 30-minute conversation with us.
4: Have you ever read a book that changed your life?
3: four new employees, a 20% increase in revenue, being one of the 9 million women business owners in the U.S. These are your proudest numbers, your landmarks of growth and success. Sage helps you achieve business milestones with cloud and software solutions that lead to deeper financial insights. Believe in your numbers. See what Sage can do for your business. Visit BelieveInYourNumbers.com today.
1: All right. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're here live from the IPBC Ignite 2016 conference in Richmond, Woo! Vancouver. Right on. we got a live audience out here. Uh, they're drinking and getting rowdy, <laughs> but it's a lot of fun. Uh, you know those Canadians, uh, yeah. Ron. <laughs> all right. We'll probably all end up at a hockey game uh, or fight. <laughs> or either Same, same thing. thing. Uh, all right. All right. Well, Ed, uh, this is really interesting. Um, I've got something here from The Economist. We're ta- You brought up taxes, so I thought I'd stick with the theme. Okay, yep. Uh, this is an article from the August 13th Economist. Uh, it's titled, Don't Buff It Up. And it's <laughs> Mr. Warren Buffett. My, fa- I, You know, I love hypocrisy and I love sanctimony. Mm. And this guy's full of both. <laughs> um, I don't think it's the worst moral sin in the world, but boy, I'll tell you, it's really fun to point out. So he's got Berkshire Hathaway, right? right it's worth yeah. $363 billion. It's the world's sixth most valuable firm. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, he loves to talk about how he doesn't pay enough in taxes, how corporations don't pay enough in taxes. There should be a death tax that he does everything in his in his power to avoid because right. he's given all his money to Bill Gates. the second wealthiest guy, Bill Gates. Right. Um But the fact of the matter is Berkshire's tax payments relative to its uh, pre-tax profits, he pays about 13%. He's one of the lowest taxed corporations as a percent of pre-tax profits of even Apple. Apple's at like 20%. Alphabet is around the same thing. ExxonMobil is is, uh, over 30%. Wells Fargo, who you mentioned in Mm -hmm. the first story, is at 40%. So if we all followed Mr. Buffett's advice... Uh, he seems to talk out of both sides of his mouth. I just find it interesting. I listen to this guy, and he says, "Oh, you know, my secretary has uh, pays less tax rate than I do." It's like, "Yeah, okay. Well, why don't or pays more tax rate than I do?" And I say, "Great. Then why don't we lower her tax rate?" Mm-hmm.
2: Well, <laughs> and the other thing too, and I, th- I think I pointed this out. He 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 can make at any time a voluntary payment to te- to pay down the debt. No one no one is stopping him. Is it's I think it's it's pay. PayGov.com or something, or uh, Pay.gov, and you can make a voluntary payment if you want to contribute more. The go, go, go for it. Knock, yeah. your, knock it out. Knock yourself out. If you want to pay more, Warren, well, nobody's going to stop you. Absolutely. Nobody's going to stop you. No. Well. Yeah. I No, I agree. All right. So, ready, Ron? This is this is a kind of a, a quick, fun one. So, I gave a, 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 a webinar uh, last week. Uh, with our friends at CPA Academy and um, got you know some good some good re- reviews and stuff and everybody a lot of a lot of people loved it but I did get the best the best critique of of me that I have ever gotten. I want to email this guy and and thank him because I want to use this. It's just like th- it's, it's just so well written. It's perfect, right? Wow. Okay. Yeah, it's perfect. So this is this is what he said um, about I'm all me, ears. right? So this is what he said. This presenter should he be brought back for a session in the future? Should be dressed appropriately, <laughs> and that is Clarabelle would appear at uh, Clarabel would appear at a children's birthday party, complete with red bulbous nose and horn, remaining silent otherwise. <laughs> 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 Strong letter to follow. <laughs> wow! <laughs> like wow. I was gonna say. That's creative, though, it right? Is. Like I'm good with that because, like, he's just like, "Oh, you suck, class." I mean, that was, you know, that. Th- that's At least he put helpful. some thought right, into the, it. Who? El- I mean, I haven't read a critique that used bulbous nose before. That's, I was like, <laughs> I guess that's a, I was like okay, I'm good with that. I, I like the part with the horn remaining silent. Otherwise, nice. <laughs> <thought that> was, <laughs> I'll do the entire session with a horn. I mean, wow. that's, yeah. So that's good.
1: So <laughs> I have to, I have to ask, what was the topic that you were te- okay, teaching? Okay, so th- this, this was a,
2: this was a, it was top ten business myths. Uh-huh. Top ten business myths. You know, we've done done it's that. Not it's very two controversial. Shows well, you know, I don't know, I don't know what his deal was. He clearly just didn't like me. But what I what I've proven though, and I think this uh, this I have data that backs this up and evidence that backs this up is one out of twenty people basically think I'm full of crap. Uh, yeah, okay. it's like it's statistically proven. Um, yeah. And I'm at peace with this now.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: So <laughs> I mean, I'm just. It's a, It's I can accept
1: it, and I just move on. It's like, well, you know, you can get that because you look like somebody's ex-husband, or you know, well, they're, yeah. they're the they're uncle they can't stand, or whatever. So yeah. well, that's. I'm, I'm good with it. Yeah. One out of twenty. If like nineteen
2: out of twenty people like me, I think that's a pretty good ratio. Yeah, well, that's not bad. So. Well, I'd live with that. <laughs> so that's my. But that's very creative. Yeah, it though. is very I, I creative. I As I like, oh, that's the best critique ever. So I'm gonna. I definitely want to. Uh, I want to email this guy and 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 thank him really for the because yeah. it's 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 creative.
1: Good. Yeah, it's better than some of the critiques I've gotten. I'm telling you, <laughs> I, I couldn't even read them on the air. But <laughs> <laughs> uh. <coughs> all right. Well, what else what else you got? There's all right, one, but I'll. Go ahead. We got bootleggers and Baptists is one of our favorite themes. Ah. Uh, We we just love this. Alcohol industry bankrolls fight against legal pot in the Battle of the Buzz. Mm -hmm. So can you imagine, Ed, that the fight against legalized pot is being heavily bankrolled by alcohol and pharmaceutical companies? (laughs) Go
2: figure! All right. Well, we got to just just quickly explain the the bootlegger Baptist theory. Because go, go
1: ahead, I'll let you. Okay. Go so
2: the, the 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 idea here is is that but you know back in the 1920s when we we had prohibition, the, there was a coalition of bootleggers and Baptists that were both against this. You had the 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 bootleggers were were clearly against it because they were making tons and tons of profits. They didn't want they didn't want to end prohibition because they made boatloads of money, right? But the, and the Baptists, of course, were against it for moral reasons, so they had this, this bootlegger-baptist coalition. But what is interesting, and it's the, what is it, the guy's name is Adam Smith, right? The, right. the author, the of, author. The, the, of the book, Bootleggers right. and Baptists. With his, son. Is with his with he And he goes through and he, he identifies that this, this bootlegger-baptist coalition happens over and over and over again throughout economics, where you have people who lined up uh, uh, who are morally opposed to something, but on one side, but then there's also a group that you that you know they wouldn't talk otherwise yep. who is opposed to it because they're making making a boatload okay. of money yep. on it. Right. So you need to look for these bootlegger Baptist coalitions in this and so this is a really interesting one that so cause think about that. Legalized
1: pot, the people who are sponsoring who who wanna see that go down are uh, alcohol companies. Oh, alcohol. Now it's really interesting, <coughs> Ed, when you dig into this further. Beer Distributors Pack, which represents 16 beer distribution companies, gave Massachusetts uh, $25,000 to a campaign to, you know, fight, I guess it's on their uh, ballot this year for legalization. Mm-hmm. In Arizona... Where our great radio station is from yeah uh, voice America they're one of the five states with marijuana legalization on on the uh, ballot I think Maine is another one by the way but the Arizona wine and spirits wholesale association donated to a, a group opposing legalization um, but interestingly enough the alcohol industry is nowhere near universal on this the the Boston Beer Company, which makes Sam, Sam Adams, Adams yep. and we've talked okay. about them before. They own the trademark now to Brexit. They're going to make an ale out of it or something. Are they really? I'll probably end up buying tons of that <laughs> uh, <laughs> just because I so support Brexit. But uh, they did it in their 10K filing. This is really interesting. In their 10K, which is a the filing they do yeah. at the SEC, they talk about marijuana could adversely impact the demand for beer, and the Brown Foreman Company, the makers of Jack Daniels Tennessee Whiskey and uh, Finlandia Vodka, similarly warned in their 10-K filing that consumer preferences may shift due to the potential legalization of marijuana. Mm. So it's really interesting, but some of the craft brewers see it. Is a great thing because they think it feeds demand. in other words, it's a complement, not a substitute. Okay. So if you smoke <laughs> pot, you <laughs> might, you know, go out to a, a microbrewery and, you know, eat and drink their beer. Drink so and drink
2: their beer. It's yep.
1: absolutely fascinating. But yeah. just on the on the legalization issue, you know, it's really interesting. Um, I know these five states are up, and I think Maine is one of them. I've been contacted now by two or three lawyers, uh, just kind of out of the blue. They read my book somewhere or heard me somewhere. And their niche is uh, legalization growers, uh, you know, the the distributors. And, boy, do they have some massive issues that they have to confront from a a legal, financial, tax situation. Mm -hmm. It is a nightmare. As long as the federal laws stay different from the state laws, Mm -hmm. I don't even know how those guys do it. Right. Well, uh,
2: again, because they they, cannot, they have to operate in cash, right? I mean, yep. they, they can't take, they it's can't hard take for credit them to cards, they banks, can't take anything, yep. and or, or Bitcoin or whatever, but they've got to do stuff that, that is cash or, or cash equivalents, because you can't operate like a normal business at this point, because the feds, feds might come in at any point and just shut that and aspect of it down. Shut it down. Right. And,
1: and the other thing, Ed, that I really, and I don't want to get too in the weeds on this, but because federal and state law are different, for federal tax purposes, they can only deduct the cost of the pot. <laughs> they can't deduct any of their other overhead expenses, salaries, wages, rent. For state purposes, they can. But for federal, they can't, mm-hmm. which, which doubles their tax burden. And I don't know how they get around that. Wow. I, I, these are just really complex issues. So yep. Yep. I'd well, be really curious if any of our listeners out there deal with this sector. I'd really like to know more I about that. I
2: actually do know there's actually a SAGE partner that in mid-market that specializes in these, handling these guys. Yeah, yeah no but I I, he, I I'm not allowed to mention their name for obvious reasons but they, 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 that's understand. what they do that's yep. what they, they specialize this in uh both both in Denver and in Washington and in Washington mm-hmm. Yep, they got locations that they're taking care of. That well, I account. think
1: it's going to roll across more states. The guy I talked to, the lawyer I talked to in Maine, says, "Oh, it's going to happen. It's going to pass. It's on their ballot this November." So, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, no, I, th- I, I think we're. It's
2: just a matter of time where we're going to get the legalization. It's got and they've got I would not be all that surprised if President Obama uh, a- asks the d- FDA on the way out of office to to deschedule. Deschedule
1: it. it? Uh Yeah,
2: he might ask. I mean, he doesn't... I would be shocked. I would would be shocked. I I wouldn't be shocked if he asked, because he could theoretically say, yes, you need to do this because it's under administrative law, but I think that it's possible that he might say, hey, listen, it would be my preference if you did this. If you did... Okay. And then they they would say no, because the DEA would come in and put the kibosh on it, but... Right. Yeah. All right. Well, look, we're, we're running up against another break here, so we just want to mention to you that you can go to our page, com, where we have previous show notes, but also a new archive, Ron, that's only been about uh, out about six weeks now. You we can have an archive of all of the shows that we've done previously in one spot. Click on it and see everything that we're doing. Also, subscribe, of course, to our... Our podcast on iTunes. We love when you do that. And please keep those reviews coming. Those are the currency. We, we love for you to review and subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. So we really want to make sure that people do that. And keep those cards and letters coming. Ask T S O E at Verisage.com. So we want to hear from you as well. And right now, we want to hear from our sponsor, Quanta CRM. <laughs>
3: four new employees, a 20% increase in revenue, being one of the 9 million women business owners in the U.S. These are your proudest numbers, your landmarks of growth and success. Sage helps you achieve business milestones with cloud and software solutions that lead to deeper financial insights. Believe in your numbers. See what Sage can do for your business. Visit BelieveInYourNumbers.com today.
0: We believe great companies can become even greater by challenging the status quo within their companies. The latest challenge to your status quo? The way people buy has changed. Buyers now control the majority of the front end of the sales process. Sellers must learn to facilitate a buying process, not conduct a sales process. Social buying signals are an opportunity for sales. Learn more. Go to quantacrm.com slash ABC to request a copy of the white paper. Always Be Closing, a guide to the new art of social selling.
4: Have you ever read a book that changed your life?
1: Well welcome back everybody. We're here at IPBC Ignite two thousand sixteen in Richmond, Vancouver, live with a Great audience in front of us drinking and getting rowdier as the time ticks off. Uh, this is just phenomenal being here, uh, Ed. And I can't wait to talk uh, about next week's guest. I'm really looking forward to that. But yes, we can do yep, that on the okay. next segment. That'll be great. Yep. Um, all right. I got a great one for you. I know you're a word guy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, had uh, uh, hat tip to your dad, too, because he was obviously a word guy. You're going to love this. In analyzing more than 135 years of speeches in the congressional record, so this is obviously big data, something like Watson did this, right? Including uh, 530,000 unique phrases spoken 297 uh, million times. In 1990, the probability of correctly guessing a lawmaker's party from a one-minute speech was 55%. In other words, it's like flipping a coin. And today... Um, you can scour through those same phrases and the probability of you identifying their correct party just from a one-minute speech Mm -hmm. is 83%.
2: Interesting. This
1: is a linguistic split, and it's because the theory is, and it's by a couple guys from Stanford University and Brown University and Microsoft Research, um, it's because, of course, you know, the, the language has gotten more polarized. Right. Right, climate change, death tax, Mm -hmm. tax the rich, you know, those types of things. And now these are key phrases where if you go back to 135 years ago, and that was basically, you know, post reconstruction or, or post civil war during reconstruction, um, very interesting. That it, it would have been much harder to identify the party of the the speaker.
2: You know, it, it's, it's it's interesting because one of the things I've been thinking about recently. Recently, we have all of this this stuff a campaign campaign finance reform, and we need to I- identify. You know, who who's who's behind this speech, right? Who who who's sponsoring this? We want to make sure we have total transparency. Uh, we we should have laws that say who this. And, and I think about this this because um, you know I'm into the Broadway musical Hamilton, right? Right. Is one of the things that they talk about this is. You know, the Federalist Papers were written anonymously, anonymously. right? It was yeah. anonymous anonymous political speech. Yep, right? And one of the things that I, in l- looking at that what they said is the reason is is that when it was when it was anonymous, it was given more weight. Right? It was given more weight because it what people said was, "Oh, it's, it's they should evaluate the idea, idea not the not speaker." The person. Yep. Right. Not the speaker. So it prevented the ad hominem accounts. It, it prevented the you know oh, you know this is just because the Koch brothers are behind this. Or this is just because the, who's the other guy on the uh, the Democratic side? I can't uh, remember. Soros. Soros. Right. Yep. Soros is behind this. So this is this is mush. Right. How about we actually evaluate the ideas? So it was. It's interesting. Maybe we, perhaps we should have more anonymous political speech, not less. Right. Yeah. So no. Anyway, it. interesting stuff. Uh, so on, the you, you t- brought up Watson. I, you know, I think we we have to bring up Watson on a free Rider Friday. We always talk about IBM Watson. Did you know that IBM Watson supercomputer created a movie trailer? No. Yep. Created a movie trailer. It. So what they did was they fed fed this whole movie in there. It's this is a the movie um, is is Morgan, a new suspense horror film, uh, which is the directorial debut of, of Luke Scott, which is the the son of of uh, Ridley Scott. And it, it went through the entire movie and based on its knowledge of other trailers, put a trailer together, <laughs> right? And, and did, did the movie trailer. So I just th- uh, think about that for those who are cons- uh, are, are worried about, well, you know, uh, my job's not going to be taken over by some computer, right? Th- th- now they said, was it perfect first t- time out? No, there were some challenges in it. But if you watch this trailer, they're like, yeah, that's pretty darn good. So here's IBM Watson creating a movie trailer, a movie trailer. And we'll put links up to it on the, the website so you can actually see the trailer that was, was created by, by Watson for this movie. Wow.
1: Mm-hmm. And did you happen to see, because you posted this on Facebook in our group, and I think Tim Williams came in and said that IBM now is like in the top 10 of digital agencies. Yep.
2: They're the, l- the, the, the largest
1: digital <laughs> advertising agency in the world now. IBM is. IBM. Take mm-hmm. it moving into the digital space that 's mm-hmm. amazing. The other thing I heard about watson ed and i can't i can 't seem to find if this is true i haven 't looked really hard, but apparently, in a lot of those commercials where he 's talking with you know Stephen King or Tom Watson the gopher right, that right. those are not scripted in advance, huh that Watson is actually responding to what they say now I find that hard to believe because commercials are scripted as good as movies are, mm-hmm. but if that 's true. That makes those commercials even more fascinating than they are. Yeah, the one that freaks me out the most is
2: the Bob Dylan one. I mean, that kind of freaks yeah. me out. Yeah, it was like Bob Dylan pitching IBM. This is really, <laughs> really kind of wacky, right? So yeah, yep. Well, and then uh, Conde Nast uh, has is is also started using IBM's Watson to find influencers for brands too. Oh. So I mean, th- th- this is this is going to happen, folks. This is going to happen. I I I often I've been saying this to my accounting friends. is that the only reason why w- Watson has it turned its full sights on accounting is because it's way down on the list right. of uh, like things that it wants to do. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and
1: probably market <laughs> potential. Right, I would imagine.
2: Yeah. So, but it'll be there. It'll be there. it's yeah. it's, it's going to happen though.
1: So. Yeah. No, that's fascinating. All right. All right, who's up? All right, I you got go a, go ahead, a go I, I got a real quick one. Okay, you, you know that the Democratic Party's emails were hacked into? No, I hadn't heard that. <laughs> 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 and you know some pretty embarrassing things yeah. came out about how they know. were setting it's up it's Sanders right. and you know, running the uh, debates during Saturday night when nobody was watching and mm-hmm. uh, but they did run across this email from Bernie Sanders. And um, it was to Debbie Washaman Schultz, ah, and uh, head of the Democratic Party. Uh, yeah, head head of of the, de- yep. who got fired because of this right, whole email thing the, because yeah, yeah. of all the setup, and the subject. And this is from Bernie Sanders to her, and the subject line read, "How dare you." And I just want to read the email to you because this was hacked, right? This is WikiLeaks. Uh Here's what Bernie wrote. He said, I hear from people you are planning to attack me and say I do not believe in an all-wise, benevolent creator with a glorious beard and a love for all humanity. If so, you are vile and this is beneath you. I do believe in Marx. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right, I'm done. I'm done with the politics. Now is that, r- that real? <laughs> no, but okay, it, it should be. Okay, it like, should okay. be, and it's really so funny. It's a, so that's a one of
2: it's your, you know, ABC yeah, the, the Onion or whatever. Onion, okay, but, uh, gotcha, you know, gotcha, gotcha, All right. Well, this is an <clears throat> actual true story because okay. I can't. I, but I couldn't believe it when I read it. I was like, "This has got to be the Onion, right?" That they that the people were upset that Uber increased their prices. To 1.8 times the price, so not significant, right? So it's sometimes it's as high as what? Yeah, six. Six, seven, yeah, eight, I Right. I paid three, but they went up to 1.8 times the regular price during the New York City bomb- bombing, the bombing thing that was happening, right? And okay, so let's let's think this through, right? So the, the 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 goal for Uber would be to get more people on the road to to potentially save people's lives here. Right? Right. Why is it that it only matters to the purse strings of the people who are taking the rides out and not to the drivers? Right? Wh- wh- are, aren't the drivers people too? <laughs> I mean, right. like what, <laughs> shouldn't, shouldn't they be – and what's going to drive them? Why would you go into an area that's endangered if there wasn't a sur- surcharge in place? Right. Why would you do that? So yep. people are getting crazy upset. It's like, really? That's just – come on. Come on. This m- just completely ridiculous. And while while we're um, on Uber, we'll post the, the notes on this. Uh, but uh, somebody did a calculation of what would happen if uh, Uber was like ruled to be illegal or just disbanded. And what they they say that Uber produces about six point eight billion dollars a year in social value. If distributed to all Americans, this would be twenty dollars in benefits per person. Right. Per
1: person. That, that it's not being measured anywhere. That it's anywhere, not being measured GDP, anywhere. So just
2: existing, we are all benefiting to the tune of $20 a year because Uber exists. Right.
1: Probably even if you don't use it because of the competition That's right. it brings. That's correct. It just it like Walmart. You don't, yeah. even have
2: to, don't even have to use it across the board.
1: Wow. Well, yep, good stuff. Wow, awesome. All right. All right. Well, Ed, I'm going to do one from memory. I don't have this in front of me, but... Uh, okay. Uh, real quick, this I, I find this fascinating. In Vancouver, in the city that we're close to here, uh-huh. the uh, a lot of people from China are buying up uh, apartment complexes and big high rises. And as the city, you know, turns dark, um, these the, the lights and these things, you know, it might be have one uh, one condo light comes on. These these things sit vacant. Okay. Because the people aren't living there year round; they're just buying it as an escape hatch to, to leave China if things go bad, or right. or second, just second or home, just have a second home mm-hmm. because yep. China's getting richer, and or people are putting kids through school here, or whatever. But but the controversy it's kind of a reverse uh, problem of the commons, okay. you know, because we buy cities, we live in cities because there's a lot of other people, and now all of a sudden, business people, dry cleaners, restaurants. You know, they, they, they plan to, to rent and pay high rent in these buildings, you know, and, and now nobody's living here. And some of these streets look like ghost towns. Some of these neighborhoods look like ghost town. Apparently, the same thing's happening in uh, Israel. Mm. And the question is, of course, Vancouver's going to slap a, a, a tax on, on foreigners that aren't residents buying here. Uh, because they, they, you know, if you're going to live in a city, live in a city. If if you if you don't want to own the place or occupy it, go buy a place out in the sticks. But if you're if you're not um, doing that in the city, you're actually affecting other businesses and people around you. Mm. It's a reverse commons thing. Right. I, it's obviously a first world problem. It's obviously <laughs> a very rich problem. You know, our ancestors who were starving wouldn't have to deal with this. But mm-hmm. I just I find this fascinating because obviously there's a balance between the rights of the city versus the right of the individual property owner right. i don't have a good answer for it rabbi lapin brought it up on his show and he actually thinks the city has a right to tax these people and really and, and try, yeah and and try and get them to either rent out their condo so there's people living there so the businesses there can flourish and the city a city flourishes through a population not having ghost towns and i think it's a really interesting argument and i can't just automatically dismiss his argument mm-hmm. interesting so yeah. from a from a freedom liberty libertarian standpoint it it's really a conundrum. Okay. So I just wanted to plant that in your head and see what you do with it. All right. Well, good. No, I'm, I'm
2: anxious. I'll, I will look that up, and we'll uh, perhaps talk about it on a future show. I wanna I, do, I have another one, so when we come back from the break that I'll talk about, that is also related to Vancouver and Canada, and you'll find this one in- interesting as well. But right, right now we want to take our last break and remind you that you can get a hold of us at AskTSOE at Verisage.com. On our page, TheSoulOfEnterprise.com, com, we also have a listing of all of the live events that Ron and I are participating in, including... This one that we're at right now, the IPBC conference. Woo! Okay. All yeah. All right. Thanks. Uh, but anything that we're coming up, and it's usually delineated whether it's just you, just me, or both of us. So if anybody is interested in what we have to, to say and where we're going to say it, if it's open to the public in any way, whether it's a webcast, whether it's a live conference, or even if it's just a, a, an interview show that we're going to be on, we have that out there on the live events page. So please take a look at that. But right now, we want to hear from our sponsor and, of course, my employer, Sage.
0: Always talking business, talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network.
3: Four new employees. A 20% increase in revenue. Being one of the 9 million women business owners in the U.S., These are your proudest numbers, your landmarks of growth and success. Sage helps you achieve business milestones with cloud and software solutions that lead to deeper financial insights. Believe in your numbers. See what Sage can do for your business. Visit believeinyournumbers.com today.
4: Have you ever read a book that changed your life? Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. The mountain is high, the
5: valley is gone.
2: Free Rider Friday, and I'd like to just a shout out since he's here in the audience, and I thank Robert Chalina for suggesting the Free Rider, the the Edward uh, Winter band on that. So it's just a fun song to to, to have on our Free Rider Friday. for those of you who don't know, the Free Rider show is ba- based on an economic principle of free riding, get do, doing stuff where you're getting the benefit, but you don't have to pay for anything. And our joke was is that we were just going to surf the news and do a show, and we wouldn't have to. Like Extensively prepare. Although the <laughs> reality is, I prep more for these shows. The premise was, it was like, let's take a week off you know, and not have to worry so much. And it's like, that has not worked out so well. But they're fun to do, and I really, really do love this. All right. So we've got Canadians in the audience. All right. Woo! All right, good. Any Vin, is it Vin, Vancouver? Vancouverites, Vancouveronians, Va- Vancouver? What wait, If you're from Vancouver, what are you? Vancouverin? A van, van, whatever. I mean, like you're in, what is it? Vancouver Right. Vancouver Okay. okay. Vancouver okay. Right. All right. So, any Vancouver Just curious. No. Cause sort of. Okay. So if, but you should know this. So, you pass this along to your, your friends in Vancouver that if you have tickets to Louis C.K.'s show in Vancouver coming up, do not scalp them. Because he, he, he do not scout the Louis CK ticket. He is really going to great lengths to make sure that if you scout your tickets, they're going to cancel the seat. He said he'd rather have they'd rather have a half full audience and cancel the seat than have ticket scalpers sell his tickets. Now you know I love Louis C.K. Absolutely, yeah, I love, he's an Me absolute too. genius. He is right. Agreed. He sucks at pricing. Oh, I know all he, these guys. I, the, do. He's, he sucks at it. No, the, no, boss? No, no. He, the, the boss. No, the boss. Springsteen is terrible at pricing. Terrible because and, and they, they all do. Who well, to keep it under fifty dollars so the real fans can do the, the, blah blah and all this blah blah. Right? It's this is nonsense. You know who gets it? Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails. Yes. Totally gets it. He's an Absolutely. awesome pricer.
1: Yep, awesome and isn't there pricer. a country star who, who got it? Uh, to pri- I know we talked to Robert Cross about this yep. when we interviewed him. But they they don't seem to understand that what price discrimination or charging different customers different prices allows you to do is make everyone happy. Mm-hmm. <coughs> so in in this scenario, the only people that are happy are the scalpers and, you know, if he ends up with half the seats. That's just crazy. Yep, yep. Well, and then he's the one,
2: of course, that put out, he had a show where you could, you could, you had to download it and it was five bucks, right, for the show. Right, right. It, we, where he, he just put it out, it wasn't through anybody, and he made m- twice as much money doing it that way, but he put a price on it of the five dollars. Now, the Radiohead, another, another great band that is also awesome at pricing, they, when they came out with their album, I think this was like five or six years ago, one of the thi- what they did was is they said you could download the album for free. Right, right. You download it for free, but this is uh, pretty interesting because this this is the, uh, incorporates like technology as well. You had to go into the field, right, where you had to say how much you're going to pay. You yep. couldn't just leave it blank. You actually had to go in and you had to type 0.00. Point zero, zero, zero. Yes, I'm going to be a
1: cheapskate be a cheap three, three
2: and times. And steal right? this. And yep. s- and you had to put yep. that in there. And then it would allow you to download it for free. And there was you know no harm, no foul. It would let you do it. But what they found was is they actually tripled the the amount of money that they would have gotten had they released that record through a record company. Wow. because the average selling price for the, for, for the album was something like $6.20 or something. I'm doing it from memory. It was, a, right, it right. was a, r- about that. It was more than they would have got paid uh, by a Which, which the record company yeah, would yeah. have gotten about 2 two and a half bucks. Right. right. So it was just an unbelievable upside profit to them, and because they, they understood the human psychology of having that field that you had to go in and type 0.00, and that people wouldn't do that. Now, lots of put people put a penny... Right, yep. but the average price was considerably more, and they also did some fantastic things with that. Where you, if you paid over a certain amount, you got a surprise, and they they would e- they would even uh, invite you and give you tickets to their live show that was coming to right.
1: your area. So there was lots of and then, didn't they have different editions that you could yep. buy too? And yeah, different. You could get tracks, made. you could get, get, tra- get You could hear like yeah.
2: the the original track that or the r- different mixes of it that was incorporated in. So yeah, so they right, totally right. got it. But yeah, Lou, I love Louis C.K., but he does not get pricing. He doesn't get it. I know they're trying
1: to be really cool with their fans, but it just doesn't work. No, it
2: doesn't. Nope, not working.
1: All right. Right. All right. Well, uh, Ed, I know we've only got a few minutes here, and I just want to talk about next week's guest, because I'm really excited by this guy. Uh, As you know, I I wrote an article on uh, my LinkedIn post, and it was um, something about cost accounting. It was also the, well, it was the end of accounting book, the book review that uh, we had uh, Baruch Lev on our show, and... People chimed in on that post an unbelievable oh, amount, wow. and I got mm-hmm. some cost accountants just coming after me like you know with, <laughs> with it, was, it was like the pitchforks are out you know and and uh, and so and I've actually made contact with two of them now one is a straight down the line cost accountant he sees the world as cost accounting i've had long conversations with him already, and i don 't know if I can ever convince him, but I gave him some things to think about, but the other guy is a guy by the name of dr. Reginald Lee and He wrote a book called Damn Lies, Statistics, and Cost Accounting. (laughs) (laughs) And he sent it to me, and I said, look, if I like this, uh, we'll get you on the show. And not only did I like it, I love it. Mm -hmm. This book is phenomenal, and I think it really drives a nail, a final nail into the coffin of one of our arguments for timesheets, which is the cost accounting argument. This guy takes down cost accounting brick by brick in this book, and I'm just really looking forward to having him on next week. So that's going to be that's uh, our guest next week so okay. dr Reginald Lee and is
2: that that books available that
1: people? book is available okay. on uh, Amazon or you can even get it on Kindle uh, yep and it's it's kind of a pricey book it's one of those professional books probably 40 or 50 bucks but I I thought it was a great read and uh, I can't wait to walk uh, through some of the some of his concepts because boy did I learn some things uh, that just blew my mind in this book
2: okay well this is, this is always a challenge for me because you know I'm not an accountant so
1: I, I know. you know
2: I, I still don't mm like cost accounting but yeah i I don't have i don't have the depth
1: it's the equivalent of me listening to you do project management yeah so i'm going to make you suffer or talking about baseball (coughs) or that's that's (laughs) even yeah that's that's even worse yeah (laughs) all right all right
2: so i got one more quick one here and and i think you actually sent this to me so this is clearly in our stack of stuff for everybody but the um, department of transportation has issued a comprehensive policy on driverless cars driverless cars, first time. And so, And <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to say this. My libertarian friends are not going to be happy with me. It actually makes sense, mm. and I agree with much of it. I know. Like I've ac- read that too. I know. and it g- it <laughs> it's, it's like because they – I think that this report – is going to make driverless cars happen much much quicker than I thought it was possible, mostly because the regulations are there. So that they have a couple of generic things, and just you know feel free to chime in on this. But there, it, it's four basic areas of the report. The first, what is it that the vehicles need to do to be safe, uh-huh. right? Which you know makes makes total sense, right? We want to make sure that that it lays out 15 safety point assessment to make sure that they're they're certified for being driverless on the roads, right? So I right. totally get that. I mean, it's, it, driving is not a right, it's a privilege, so I'm good with that, right? Then the next one is, and I think this is probably the biggest impact, is what is it that the fe- federal and state government should do? And basically what they say is we should stay the hell heck out that of it. Right, <laughs> that's what they—that's that, yeah. their recommendation. I was kind of blown away I, by me that. Me
1: too. I stand so. corrected. I've been saying they're going <laughs> to grind the gears on this and throw sand, but no, they seem to be backing off.
2: Well, and I'm, and that's that's what I'm wondering is you know why and may, maybe this is it, a bootlegger it, Baptist. It, thing. A boot, yeah, where's the bootlegger <laughs> yeah. Baptist com, coming on here? But and yes, the the and the the Baptist in this, you know, the the moral outrage might be from the environ the green movement, right? Yeah. Because what we want is but you know but th- 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 there is talk that these all of these driverless cars should be electric right right which is n- i don't understand that right. because I don't know if you, I'm sure you're aware of this, but the the Tesla has, you know, zero emissions Emissions. on the back of it. Zero emissions. Which is ridiculous. It's offensive. It's offensive. Well, because where where did he get that electricity from? A
1: coal Coal fired fired plant. plant. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) where did it come from? And not only that, it's (laughs) offensive on two (laughs) levels. Not only is it just false advertisement and a direct lie, but I had to pay $7,000 to the rich guy who bought the Tesla. Because he gets a $7,000 subsidy.
2: Our problem with our friend Elon Musk, but that's, yes. that's okay. Okay, so that's... His that, that rocket just blew up, by the way. Well, yeah, <coughs> I know. But then he did say that we're colonizing Mars, too, so we'll, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. All right, and then uh, the third is how the Department of Transportation should use its existing regula- regulatory tools, which, again, it really said mostly stay out of. But the big thing that they have to do, and this is why I, h- I thought this was a huge recommendation, is that they, 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 at the federal level, could pass a law that... that Automatically, grandfather's in the laws that are at the state level, which state that you must have an operator of the vehicle, mm. right? Mm. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that they're, they're they're looking at doing is to classify the computer system or whatever it is as a as, as an operator. An operator. If operator. you do that at the federal level, then all of these state laws don't have to change. Gotcha. Right. Which. Uh Good on them for that, because that for one's sure. brilliant. And then the last one uh, is that uh, the the Department of Transportation may need to need to brand new regulatory tools uh, designed to to deal with these um, autonomous vehicles. So, um, you know. I I think this is coming. I, I, I'm holding out, Ron. I have you know, I have a, I think a 2004 uh, Honda Pilot that's on its last <laughs> legs. That uh, is my my that I drive back and forth to the airport. Yep. That's all I do. I want that to be the the last car that's that I have to that, that that I own. That's yep. what I. That's what uh, that I had to buy. That's what I'm shooting for. I,
1: I, I think Ed, with what is it, thirty thousand traffic fatalities in the United I States, know. it's a moral imperative that we get these things on the road. And and I kind of agree that someday we're going to have a Supreme Court case to decide whether or not a human is able to drive anymore. Able to drive. Yeah. 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 Well, so no. g- Greg le- Greg follow passed us along. All
2: right. Well, we're ready to wrap up. We got Re- Dr. Reginald Lee next week. Pretty excited about that. We right?
1: sure do. And we'd like to thank Canada for their great hospitality and. Wow, thank you to our executive producer, Robert Cellino, our sound engineer, Randy Jackman, who have been fantastic, and the great crew from Voice America for setting this all up. We will be broadcasting live tomorrow and Friday from here, so we're really looking forward to that, Ed, and uh, I'll see you in 167 hours. All right.
2: This has been the Soul of Enterprise, business in the knowledge economy, sponsored by Sage, energizing the success of businesses and communities around the world through the imagination of our people and smart technology. Join us next week on Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. In the meantime, please visit our website at www.thesoulofenterprise.com.